Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is the second half of the episode that we published yesterday. If you didn't listen to the first half of it, what are you doing here? Listen to that first. You're going to be lacking all context and other things if you only listen to the second half of this. But yeah, here's the rest of our episode with Spencer talking about the Panthers and Patriots and all sorts of other fun stuff. still with us i haven't heard of him for a while doesn't sound like it okay moving on all right well um i do have a question for you that doesn't have really anything to do with the game i love um, it but john and i have talked about this in the past and we have a theory and i'm curious as to how a patriots fan feels about this um do you think that bill belichick is just really smart or is he essentially like the skinniest kid in fat camp when it comes to how he stacks up against other coaches in the league? Hello? Hi. Thanks for interrupting That's very my rude question. to interrupt Brad's question. <laughs> um, I think that he's smarter than your average person, but he has the smartest guy in uh, pro football, which is Ernie Adams, helping him every step of the way. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar, Ernie Adams is a, um, I guess, a, a specialist that will just knows everything. He's just like a stats guy. He knows specific situations. He's just kind of like a jack of all trades. Um, so it's is just like Ernie a, Adams like just an advisor, or is he like pretty, the, pretty, pretty much an advisor? He, uh, or? During uh, during game days, he will be up in the uh, booth and he'll tell Belichick if he's supposed to, you know challenge or not challenge or whatever but like belichick is i believe i you know i i want to say smarter but i also at the same time want to say like just amazing attention to detail just stuff that like he's just been around football so long that he thinks about stuff other people wouldn't but again he has ernie adams who like is just a genius um watch any of the do your jobs uh, especially the first one there, the the NFL films put him out uh, after the Seahawks Super Bowl and the Falcons Super Bowl and whatever. Um, and they interview Henry Adams and he's just like this like kind of recluse, kind of like puffy haired, weird looking dude. That's just like you can just tell he knows everything about anything, like just very quick on his feet. So um, I, I've I, heard I a lot about him. It. He's kind of like a mythical figure. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like th- there's a picture of him going to the last uh to the last game and he's wearing like a tweed suit from like the 70s and you're like <laughs> who you know you see some people in life and you're like who are you? Like are you an alien? You know yeah. like you're just like what is going on? Um and I'm not going to compare him to anyone like that but it's like how people must feel like when being around someone extremely smart like Einstein or whatever. You're just like I'm a normal human and you're like you know 20 steps ahead you know like a bobby fisher with uh with chess kind of thing so i hope that answered your question with that a little bit yeah it kind of does because we've always theorized that bill belichick really isn't that quote-unquote smart it's just that your average nfl coach is is dumb and belichick is basically just doing what everyone should be doing like you said 
with his attention to detail. Like the other team doesn't do very well at stopping the run, so let's run the ball. I and also other go, go, other coaches don't really do that. Yeah, I also think that his big thing is that he's willing to take chances when other coaches are not. I know you don't want to hear this, but the other coach that reminds me of him is Sean Payton, where as much as you guys obviously hate the Saints, like I look at Payton like, damn, he did that. Like not a lot of coaches would, you know, would would do that. Um, 100% true. The most famous uh, reminder of all time is Super Bowl 49. You know, Marshawn stopped on the one yard line. And there's about a minute left in the game, 55 seconds. Pats have two or three timeouts, at least two. And Belichick just lets the freaking clock run. Like, are you kidding me? Like, everything as a coach tells you to take that timeout there. Because if they score, so what? You got two timeouts, 55 seconds, and you got Brady who can tie it. You know what I mean? With a, with a field goal, I believe. And well, Belichick had he, seen the film, so he knew that they were going to throw an interception. Yeah, yeah, he knew. <laughs> but like, he just like you can see during again that it's an amazing uh, the, the do your job. It's amazing video. He's just like you see him staring across the way at uh, Carol, and he sees that everything on the opposing sideline is just like crazy. Like they're not like calm. They're not collected. They're like, what's going on? What are we doing? And he's just like, you know what? I'm going to let it go. And I got to be honest, if they would have scored on that play or ran it in the next play, I would forever give him crap about it. But because all the pass play and it was picked, it's, oh, he's a a genius kind of thing, you know? And that kind of stuff only happens when you take chances that no one else does. Just again, like, like a Sean Payton kind of thing. I think what always happens is like, I did a bunch of, we know whenever we do research on stuff where it's like, you know, is it more efficient to just kick touchbacks every time or are you more or try to let the other team return it or when to go for it on fourth down and like the run pass splits and all that stuff and everything that like comes out as the most efficient way to handle certain situations. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what the Patriots have been doing for years. Like that, It's just always lines up and it just comes out to where they just do the stuff that you're supposed to do to win and they acknowledge analytics and they acknowledge, you know efficiency i guarantee some of that is ernie adams though like i guarantee oh i know part of that from what i've heard yeah like what i was i read something i think this summer last summer where it was like the most what can do the most conducive stat on defense is stopping the pass and more important than stopping the pass via the pass rushes by having a secondary and the patriots is like are the embodiment of that they have absolutely no investment in their pass rush and their front seven well other uh, front four at least and they sold out to get the best secondary they could get and yeah it works for the defense it's it's very frustrating at times because mm-hmm. you want to see the big play you want to see the sack that's why trey flowers is an amazing player and he's gonna do like he's gonna put up crazy numbers on the lions but even mm-hmm. on the pats trey flowers like if you look at his stats, you'd be like, he's good. And I would tell you, like, he's amazing because yeah. their their way of playing against uh, quarterbacks is like, we don't need the sack. So a sack is a negative play of, you know, two to ten yards, right? Maybe mm-hmm. a fumble, but let's pretend that doesn't happen too often. But you know what's what's way better? If you get up right in his face and he throws the ball straight to our, our cornerback, you know, or throws the ball up yeah. and, and it gets tipped or whatever kind of thing. So that's kind of the way they look at it. Again, it is frustrating because you're like, holy crap, there's like, you know, no <laughs> sacks happening. But then again, it leads to these coverage sacks and these turnovers, which are obviously, you know, bigger. 
it always it's just it's crazy because like every year the Patriots end up with like a mediocre to below average defense in terms of yardage, but they always end up with a good scoring defense somehow. Yeah, I have this and theory that like, and I know this is going to sound like crazy, but obviously games are won and lost in the fourth quarter. Oh, Ryan, that- what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> I was going to say, do you? <laughs> what? <laughs> Made a lot of noise there. Sorry. Um, so I, I, I obviously games are won and lost in the fourth quarter, and I have this feeling that they just the coaches just kind of tell Pat's players like, don't go easy on it in the first quarter of the first half, but like pace yourself. Like who cares if we give up a couple field goals or go down seven nothing? Save yourself for the fourth quarter because that's when we're doing our thing. And it kind of makes sense with all the comebacks they do. Um, you know. 28 to three, we got to say it at least two or three times in this, in this podcast, like, yes, the offense did great to come back, but like the Pats also didn't give up any points after like early on in the third quarter. And like, that just happens more often than not. So, well, that's partially Atlanta's fault. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I watched, I watched the game again the other day because I do it every six months or so, because why not? Right. I'm sure you guys do as well. And Matt Ryan on the play that he got sacked by Hightower, the strip sack, it's like eight, eight minutes left in the game. They're up by 16. He's snapping the ball with 15 seconds left on the play clock. Like what? Like you, that's 15 seconds is when you get up to the line and then you look and then you make your adjustments and then you snap it at two, Right. Who cares? Oh, again, that happened three years ago. That happened three years ago, but uh, amazing. (laughs) I do have another question. Shoot. Um, Let's make sure Brian doesn't ruin it this time. Um, I don't know what what happened to Brian, by the way. He's like, I'm here, and then he just leaves again. I'm here. I'm still here. (laughs) Hey, Brian. Okay. Um, hey, but anyway, how how screwed <laughs> do you think the Patriots delay. are when Tom Brady finally retires? Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting question because you got to feel that it'll be around the same time that Belichick retires. I mean, he's like 67, 68 at this point. Um, they're not going to be perennial Super Bowl like you know, accomplishments anymore at that point, at least for a little bit. And I think a lot of that has to do with not only with the fact that Brady is a good quarterback, but he embodies the Patriot way and people there buy into it because of Brady. Here's a guy who's been playing for 20 years is the most decorated player of all time. And Belichick will sit in a, uh, you know, in a meeting room with them and be like, this is a terrible throw. This is terrible. Do you want me to get Johnny Foxborough off the street? come out and play quarterback for us. And he buys into it. He's like, he's like, I'm going to do better coach. I'm going to do better, you know? And as we saw with the, all the Aaron Rodgers stories over the, um, over the off season, you know, if you want to believe him or not, not everyone buys into that. So once he's gone, I just wonder how Belichick, if he's still around is going to get that leader to buy into that Patriot way. And that's my biggest worry, you know, with him. So the answer is pretty, (laughs) pretty, pretty screwed. I think you'll be all right if Belichick's still there. I mean, like you said, it's a little tougher to make, especially because by all accounts, it's a very rigid system and rigid, you know, culture. And it's hard for that when you don't have the best player 100% on board. But I think yeah. as long as Belichick and, and his sidekick Ernie Adams are there, you guys will be competitive. 
Well, that's yeah, why I mean, we, you guys went eleven and five with Matt Castle. So uh, with with a team whose roster was almost the exact same from two thousand seven that went eighteen and uh, something. I don't remember what happened at the end of that. Season. <laughs> <laughs> but again, uh, it was. You can look at eleven and five, but like that roster was built as all hell, and uh, you know you could put Johnny Foxborough out there, and I feel like he would go, you know, nine and seven, ten and six. So I, I, I don't know. Like I said, my main thing is like the fact that Brady buys into it so much is a big reason, and I don't think people look into that quite as much. Like who, who else does their job for twenty years and then lets themselves just be beaten and broken down verbally and whatever to bring everyone else back up you know it just it doesn't happen i've been doing my job for eight years and i'm already like eh, i'm checking out a little bit checking out retirement's checking out. around the corner yeah yeah tom brady's <laughs> a psychopath though so yeah in, i mean in certain ways yes you you almost yeah. have to be to be to be like that you have to just be so addicted and yeah i mean i think most elite well anybody at any profession but especially with like elite athletes you kind of have to be like addicted yeah. to it or you else. just you just do. You you have to be like weird in certain ways because, I mean, look at how many players join the Pats. I mean, this happened three times this offseason. Like a longtime veteran joins them, and what happens four days later? Uh, I retire from the NFL. <laughs> who who did that this year? Uh, it was one. I forget his name because he was only with the um, for a cup of coffee. But um, some offensive lineman coming from the Broncos. He was supposed mm-hmm. to be like a like a starter you know, kind of guy. And instead of taking like a two year, like $8 million deal, he was like, nah, I'll retire. Reggie Wayne did it a couple years ago. He was like, I can't do this. Uh, Eric, Dontre- Eric Decker did it a couple years ago. He's like, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Is that what happened with Dontrell Inman? Cause I thought I just saw that he signed with like the chargers. No, he and- was really, he was released. Okay. Yeah. He requested his release and then was granted cool. it. So that's kind of the same thing then where he's just like, I don't actually want to be here. Can you please yeah. cut me? You got to buy into it, dude. Like it just is what it is. Like I, I respect it because what they're saying is, you know, you want to, you want to win. It's hard, you know, deal with it. If you look at the Pats and go, what's different about them? It's that like, uh, what's his name? Um, Lane Johnson of the Eagles, you know, after they won the Super Bowl, was like, they don't have any fun there and all that. And it's like, you know, sometimes fun's meant for, you know, Sometimes the fun is the winning, you know? It just it just is what it is. Yeah. Br- Brian, do you have any questions for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to go ahead and uh, just get into the preseason game. Um, go ahead. So I know that the Panthers will play a lot of their starters and uh, the Patriots play a lot of their starters. Uh, is there anybody in particular that we should look out for for the Patriots? In yes. this game. And you can't miss him. His name's Chase uh Winovich. Uh just look Ooh. for the Clay, look for the Clay Matthews guy out there. Long blonde hair. He plays uh D end. Uh this dude has uh he he's he's mini Clay Matthews. He has this motor that doesn't quit, dude. It's crazy. And again, you can't miss him because of the long blonde hair. He he just like I'm one of those spoiled guys that when I see like a receiver, like give up on a play, like it, it say, say the ball's caught like across the field and you see the receiver just like stop. You're like, dude, come on. There's only 80 plays in a game. Let's go. This dude does not stop. He does not stop for anything. He'll make tackles from running the whole way across field just because he's, he's crazy like that. Um, also be on the lookout for Nikhil Harry, the first first round selection of a wide receiver ever for Belichick. Uh, he's from Arizona State, I want to say, and he seems mm-hmm. pretty dang good so far. 
tall, uh, plays on the boundary, can catch balls from Tom Brady. I'll, I'll take him. <laughs> so he plays outside because I thought a lot of people thought he was going to be like a Larry, like old Larry Fitzgerald slot. He can do. He can do a little bit. Guy. He can do a little bit of both. Now that Josh Gordon's back, it might be changing a little bit. But like before, before Gordon, we, you know, we looked at the depth chart and we were like who is going to play outside? Because everyone's <laughs> like an, an Edelman kind of guy, you know, and it's like, yeah. who do we do that to? Or even your your boys, who I heard he's not doing super great, uh, Chris Hogan could at least play on the outside because he didn't look like it, but he was a vertical threat. I'm I'm sorry that he's not doing great so far, but we 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 loved him for, for the few years he was here. Well, it's yeah. not that he's not doing great. He's not doing anything. Like, yeah. I honestly <laughs> forgot that we signed him. Yeah, a lot of Panthers fans last month thought that we traded him. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> he just he, he sat out of practice for like two days. No, he, he checked into the game uh, on Friday, and there's a split second. We're like, who's that? Oh, yeah, we I forgot we had that guy. And that's not really what you want from from a wide receiver. So I'm sorry to hear that. He did have a ton of clutch like plays and stuff. So I hope I hope it works out. I still think he's going to make the team, though. I think uh, I don't know. I, well, I, I mean, I mean, no offense when I say this, but isn't the uh, wide receiver core like not super strong for the Panthers? Like I never looked at it as like one of your strength on the team. It's deep, it's, it's but better it's not now. top heavy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we have Curtis Samuel. <laughs> yeah I, I heard curtis samuel is like amazing he is the worst um <laughs> we we have we have basically like four number two wide receivers yeah and two number three wide receivers we're like the ravens were a couple of years ago we don't really have a number one guy like we don't have a antonio brown julio jones odell, odell beckham type guy um but we have a lot of number two guys Who's the uh, last true number one you guys had? Is it like literally Steve, Steve Smith? Smith? Steve Smith. Really? Yeah, Steve oh, Smith. Literally <laughs> Steve Smith. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because I know Funches was like, everyone was like, maybe. And then, no. No. Speaking, this is kind of a tangent, but I just got to the episode that kind of centered around Devin Funches on All or Nothing. Not a good look for him. No. No, it was a very bad look. I haven't, I haven't watched it. He, he uh, doesn't do well there. He's just well, I mean, comes across as very immature. Yeah, um, like Cam's trying to talk to him about it, and he just comes across as immature. That's a good word. He like, um, lots of, um, like, and then like he had a really bad game against the Lions, and then of course you know when you have a horrible game against anybody, reporters gonna be like, hey, you did you you played bad? Why? And he's like, hey man, you know. I've, sometimes you have bad games, but it's not all it's not all Funch's fault. Yeah, and it's like first of all, you can't refer to yourself in third person. Lost. Yeah, you, first of all, don't refer to yourself in the third person, and second of all, yeah. like everyone reasonable knows it's not all your fault. But the last thing anybody wants to hear after somebody has a like has a poor performance is, "Hey guys, leave me alone. It wasn't all my fault." Yeah, like take some ownership. So yeah, and I know I mean, they're going to cut it up to make antagonists and stuff, but. Yeah, and in a way, I kind of give him a little bit of slack because earlier in the the series, he talks about how his cousin like died, mm-hmm. like earlier that day, and he had to go to the funeral, and that's yeah. why he blew up in, in practice or whatever, because he just wanted to play football and get his mind off of it. And I think that bothered him for the whole year, because I mean it, 
it takes a toll on you, especially when you when you're a football player and you can't really get away and grieve. Um, but yeah, it was just a, it was a bad look for him. But I kind of I feel for him at the same time. Yeah, I felt for him. It was just I don't know. I, I can't he handled speak. it like a big baby. Yeah, it's hard for me. I don't want to judge because I don't have like a lot of experience in this. But like the thing happened, the his cousin passed away in like week three in the lead up to week three. And it was like week 11 where they were talking about, you know, he was using it as like a, a reason for some of his actions. And it's like, I know it takes time to grieve and I don't know how close he was with his cousin and stuff. But like, you know, you're you're an adult, you're a professional, like it's been two months. Like It's kind of. I know it could, it can still be affecting you, but it's time to hard. It's kind of hard to like, I, it even seemed like the coaching staff was like, yeah, I, I okay, Devin, I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Kind of an excuse. But, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, it was kind of like he was searching, like, what can I say? What can I say? Oh, I know what, I know what I can tell as the reason for me playing poorly. Cause it certainly just isn't me playing poorly. There's got to be some yeah, other and external Cam factor. Was even, Cam was even showing off some leadership skills that people di- don't want to acknowledge that he has by saying stuff like, you know, I still see you as a number one receiver. You just have to act yeah. like it. And Funches yeah. was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. And it was just, I'm glad he's gone, to be honest. Yeah, that was one of those things. Because, like, that was – I remember thinking his body language – and this is getting – we're getting, like, kind of off track. And this is just kind of, like, teaching for – Spencer to know the previous Panthers uh, <laughs> history, but um, I remember thinking his body language wasn't great on the field from the limited amount you can perceive from football players. Like he was really slow to get back to the huddle. He, you could kind of see frustration when like there was a bad throw or whatever. And I just was never a big fan of it. And then seeing him kind of behind the scenes and all or nothing kind of reaffirmed the little bit of opinion I had formed on him. And like just watching him from the TV broadcast. Yeah. So in other words, but, Spencer, uh, Funches. Yeah, not a number one Funches, wide receiver. Funches Nor is Kelvin Benjamin. Is not a number one wide receiver. Neither is Kelvin Benjamin. And uh, the hope is that DJ Moore will be the number one wide receiver. Though Curtis Samuel certainly could be the number one wide receiver, John. <laughs> so. You know, I do wish I could like point out constructively criticize or like point out the. Uh, the flaws I see without getting jumped on. He's making like, plays, like, John. <laughs> well, he had the one catch last week against the Bills, and I pointed out one of the issues I have with him, and it was like, because he dances too much with the ball when he catches it down the field. But you guys are like, oh, no, no, you just you just hating on him again. I was like, no, but for real, though, you, you, you can see what I'm talking about. <laughs> He caught the ball. He caught like a comeback route. He turned around and he just like juked in place for three seconds until someone tackled him. That's that's how a comeback route works, John. Yes. Catch My it, favorite defense is when you say something like he catches with his body too much and immediately you get swarmed with, but he still catches it. Like, <laughs> there's a difference, though. There's a different way. Like you can't yes, just catch it with your body when you jump up in the air or when you're running pro- a route and he hits you in stride, you can't stop and turn around and catch it with your gut. Like you have to catch it with your fingers and thing. keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, well, it was like the big play he made in practice last week where he's like, Oh, Curtis Samuel burned the bills corner for a touchdown. And it was like, everybody's all hyped about it. It's like, he, he almost dropped that ball. 
<laughs> like he bobbled it a couple he times. Still and, it, he still caught it though. But he still caught it. Yeah, he it, did. Though. He did catch it. He did catch it. Uh, yeah. Can I can I ask a Panthers question just for my curiosity? Absolutely. Is yeah, Keekly sure. is Keekly still elite? Like, is he still like just amazing? Yes. 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 He is arguably the best linebacker in the NFL. Um, I know I will probably get run out of town for saying this. I think he's the second best linebacker in the NFL currently. First being Behind Bobby Wagner. Wagner. Bobby Wagner? Really? If you, mm-hmm. if you watch uh, Spencer, if, if you, you watch, watch all or nothing. Seahawks games, Bobby Wagner is legitimately he is all over, He is all over the place. If The thing that's so funny about Luke Keekley, if you, oh, that's speaking of that's Keekley the dog. Uh, if you watch All or Nothing, there's a couple times where they show it, but he'll legit just call out what the other team is doing that they can play in language right before they snap the ball. Yeah. And it has to be so demoralizing as an offense when like the quarterback's going into his cadence and you hear the linebacker just be like, they're running off tackle right, off tackle right, and then it's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then the quarterback will audible and he'll be like, now they're running off tackle left. And it's like, <laughs> and screen it's like, well, pass to the left. Like, you can't... Yeah. You can't outsmart him because he watches so much film. Can't yeah. escape him. Yeah, I got to admit. Favorite thing and, but my favorite thing about Luke Keekley from All or Nothing was when they played the Giants, and he's literally complaining that he only has four games worth of film on Saquon Barkley that he can watch. Like, he, he's mad that he can't watch more film, and I don't know of any other player that feels that way. That's so good, dude. He's definitely one of my favorites in the NFL, and I'm I'm glad because I know he had a couple concussions there, and there was like real worry that he would like play again. So it's like yeah. super good to see. And to be fair, that's why I think Bobby Wagner is better because he's a little bit younger and he doesn't have the concussion history. Because I think Luke Keekley has lost a step, but he's so good that him losing a step still means he's one of the best linebackers in the league. Yeah, he's kind of I don't know if he's like lost his stuff physically or if it's him playing a little more careful. I think it I think it might be that he's just playing more careful. Yeah. Uh, but you can see a difference pre concussions mm-hmm. and post concussions and I mean he's still arguably the best linebacker in the league. So that shows you just how good he is. I have one more question for you Spencer. Yeah. And it's a two part question. Um, we talked about, we kind of touched on a little bit and you talked about a little bit, who are the MVPs, like the guys on offense, one on offense and one on defense that are probably not going to make the team, but everybody in the fan base expects them to, or wants them to, that we should look out for on Thursday. Defense, defense is, is easy. Um, second round pick last year, Duke, Duke, uh, Dawson, he's a cornerback, and there's two major problems. He hasn't been looking that good. And he's a cornerback on a ridiculously stacked defense. Like, dude, mm-hmm. every year I go into the, the Pat season, like super excited to see what they do on offense. And I got to admit, a lot of it's like Gronk related. Yeah. You know, where you're just like, oh, God, I just can't. Like, I'm going to miss him so much, dude. Like, it's going to be weird <laughs> the first time, like, the week one, I'll be like, oh, yeah, he's not there, you know. But, um, this year, dude, the defense is like, I'm just so excited. Like, that secondary is elite. I'm going to, you know, I'm pretty pessimistic when it comes to that stuff. But this is this is a top five secondary, and I want to say top ten defense. I, I might move it a little bit higher if um, 
you know, the pass rush does what they have to do. But yeah, Duke uh, Dawson is a um, uh, second uh, second round pick from last year. And people really want him to make the team because, of course, he's a second, second round, round pick. pick. Yeah, right. You like <laughs> it's so hard to let go, you know, just like, uh, no, he's going to make the team. He's going to make the team. <laughs> and, yeah, I just with this cornerback group, dude, and like. The, I don't know if you guys know this. The Pats have this really crazy stat that, and I don't know if I, I can't compare it to other teams. So it might be true of every other team. But since Belichick took over, every single year an undrafted free agent from that year makes the team. Every single year, uh, mm-hmm. some a lot of times multiples. And again, I don't know if that's a thing with every other team. Uh, but you know, they have like they picked up two undrafted free agent quarterbacks this year um and it's like they could make the team so dawson's yeah he's, he's gone and the I other one is that's a thing not to interrupt you but i don't think that's a thing with winning teams necessarily you know i think a lot of losing teams do that because they yeah. they don't draft well um they have a lot of open you, roster spots up they for have a lot of roster spots and and you know roster that's churn i guess that's so, a, i guess that's a good point um yeah i think it's weird that a team as successful as the patriots are doing it yeah i i I'm pretty sure that um, J- Jacoby Myers, like I said, the the wide receiver, he used to be a quarterback. He's going to be the one this year that does that. Um, the player to watch on offense that's not going to make the team would either be your boy Gunner, uh, <laughs> which I, I, don't, I don't think he's a, a a favorite to like. Here's the thing. We've been spoiled with Wes Walker and Edelman. So every time uh, a wide receiver is A, white, I'm sorry, and B, less than six foot, <laughs> be less than six foot tall what are they oh uh, yeah they're we can't let him go because he's next next west walker right like it yep. just is what it is uh so it's either gunner or it's braxton barrios who like people have just been like so on the braxton train because again he's the next edelman he can return punts he can do this and like clearly one of those guys is not going to make the team if not both of them at this point and I don't really know what to, it's just like in fantasy. I don't pick any Pats wide receivers, not even Edelman in fantasy. And I don't trust anything that happens with any of the non like number one or number two, you know, wide receivers on the team. I just, you know, speaking of, I, I don't think, know I how you could so pick funny. any Patriots in fantasy other than Tom Brady, your I, defense and your, kicker. I did pick up Josh they, Gordon. They changed the- their game plan from week to week. You never know. You know who's going to be successful. Listen, if you end up picking up Josh Gordon in the fifteenth round, like I did, I will gladly do that. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah I would do that. But but yeah, um, in my opinion, the only two Pats to have at all at this point now, not even Tom Brady, is uh, James White and Sony Michelle in that order. Uh, for any fantasy guys out there, if you can pick up James White in like I want to say the fourth to sixth round, you're gonna do it. Go ahead and do that. Yes. Michelle, maybe a little bit later, but uh, as Brian can commiserate, uh, James White saved his butt last year. Uh, yes, every he did. <laughs> I, drafted every Jer- I drafted Jarek McKinnon, and uh, James Ooh. White filled in for him and saved my goddamn fantasy team. <laughs> Spencer, I thought it was so funny with Braxton Berrios to go back to him that uh, everybody joked that he was bound to be a Patriot like while he was playing at Miami. <laughs> And it, yeah. when he got drafted yeah. by the Patriots on draft day, it was like, oh, my God, of course they did. Yeah. I uh, Also, a little fun fact, he uh, he played high school football with my cousin. 
So I, oh, that's cool. I have a I have a connection with him <laughs> to, to to the past. Distant a distant connection to Braxton Perios. I mean, there's two there's two you know things that are always going to happen with Pat's drafts. It's they're going to get a guy like that, and they're going to reach in the second round for a cornerback, and it's just going to happen <laughs> every time. Every time, um, Jordan Richards, Duke da- Dawson, people that like literally have undrafted free agent status, and it's like with the second round pick, you know, it's Rose just Dowling. Yep. I I think he was a first round pick. Now that I think, no, he he's a second round pick. Or, or no, maybe he was because he's a very famous attachment to the Panthers. Does he? Yes. Brian or Brad, you know what that is? Yes. I know. I do not. He's. Cons- I would. We, I would say he's, he's the pick we traded for Armani Edwards. Edwards yeah. Yep. Oh. He, I think he's considered the. Uh, a lot of people consider him the biggest draft bust the Pats have had in the last twenty years. A lot of people, it's it, top five definitely, but if not number one, so. He yeah. was who the pick. He was the pick that the Marty Herney traded to trade up to get Armani Edwards and convert him from a, you know, superstar local quarterback to a wide receiver, and then. That oh. was in Panthers draft history. So, uh, mind you, this was the year that we had Jimmy Clausen at quarterback, and they did not <laughs> give him a chance at quarterback. Mm-hmm. This was not a we had Cam Newton scenario. Yeah. So, speaking of past Panthers, I just realized this today. Wasn't Thomas Davis going to retire? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he, but he, he did. Yep. He didn't. He After did he because got he, he got suspended for four yeah. games, and he. He he was reinvigorated to play. He was suspended for four games last year or this year? Last year. Last year. Last year. Okay. Yeah, this, okay. this past season. Yep. So I he got, got a, he got tested positive for some like estrogen blocker or something. And I think the four game suspension was like he didn't he didn't want that like his you know retirement tour like farewell season to be marred by a PED suspension basically. So and the Panthers just didn't didn't like want him back like the. It's just too tight there, or yeah, went, I don't think we can justify. Three, yeah, and I don't oh, think we okay. can justify another season of having Keekley Thompson and Shaq all making, or Keekley Thompson and Davis all making a lot of money to play linebacker in an NFL that's shifting away from base defenses and more to nickel defenses. You know the funny thing is the the Pats this year so far have like gone more to base. It doesn't. I can't figure this team out sometimes because like <laughs> so far like there's a crazy number percentage of them doing base defense. When I'm like they have so many good cornerbacks, I was like, what if they just literally do like nickel a lot of the time, but then like just like throw in another one there and make it like a dime kind of thing. You know what I mean? But they're like, yeah. oh, nah, nah, we're just gonna do like three, four. Thank you very much. It's like what is going on? Um, that's another interesting thing that, um, I think is happening in the NFL right now is clearly it's more of a passing and less of a, less of a running league, but like you're seeing much more physical and big wide receivers and tight ends. Like a Travis Kelsey, we were talking about him earlier as a great example. Like that dude is so tall and so fast. How can you possibly, who can you put on defense against him besides like, you know, six foot two, six foot three linebackers, but those guys are always slow, kind of like run buffers, you know? Yeah. Um, and we saw that a lot this year with the Pats, um, you know, their free agency. They uh, they got a guy, and I want to say the third round, maybe the second round, called Joe John Williams. He's a six four cornerback. Think um, Brandon Browner kind of thing. Six four cornerback. I don't know what his weight is, but like, I think Belichick's getting to the point where he's like, you know what? A lot of the like a lot of these wide receivers are six two, six three, six four, six five. So our defense will be two. Deal with it, you know. 
the five ten cornerbacks. I don't want to say are a thing of the past, but are like you put like your five ten cornerbacks outside, and I think you might see a thing where you start getting like that's your big nickel is like a six three cornerback who can cover yeah, tight ends. Yeah, I was literally just about to say that. I think that's why the big nickel <laughs> is starting to come back in the NFL. That's why Rashawn Golden has a job right now, so, because you want bigger guys to match up with those tight ends and taller wide receivers in the slot where they can like you know beat up on them a little bit. Yeah, and I, yards. I just love how it's like changing so much. That's why the last year's Pats team was one of my favorites because, you know, everyone's getting so fast and like everything's about, oh, my running back has to be a dual, a dual threat. We're always going to spread everyone out, spread offenses, uh, throwing it to the running backs, check downs. And the Pats were just like, yeah, we're going to have a sixth O lineman and we're going to have a fullback and we're just going to run it at you. They did that against the Chargers in the divisional round. And I mean, they just were like, eating their breakfast you know they were just pushing their weight around and i love football like that well part of the problem for the chargers is they were playing like you know six defensive backs because they yeah. didn't have anybody else right <laughs> right i mean that is definitely yeah. true but like you know they're playing six defensive backs and you know the pats are like okay here's james devlin the fullback enjoy 270 pounds you know running at you as hard as he can no thank you <laughs> yeah Agreed. Look at the Patriots adapting to their opposition. It's a crazy strategy. I'm amazed. Yeah, I know. Just imagine the thought. Ridiculous strategy. (laughs) I'm guessing that uh, Ron does not do that too often, which is why you guys are saying that. No, Ron is basically, we're going to do this whether it works or not. And that's why Christian McCaffrey is the number one overall pick in fantasy, because he's just going to get the ball 100 times no matter what. Yeah. (laughs) And he's going to have 20 to 25 touches a game, no matter how he gets them. I do want to give like a little bit of not credit, but you know, don't want to like throw Ron completely under the bus. I think it's the like 95% of NFL coaches, 90, 95% that like, this is our identity. And so we can't change our identity from, you know what I mean? Like there's a self-enforced rule that you have to do what you're, you have to do what you want to do. You have to impose your will, so to speak. You can't yeah. adapt because then you're being, you're letting the other team dictate, so to speak. And I think coaches have too much of an ego to let that happen. That that is that is one of the number one things I love about the Pats is you know you guys don't watch them as you know much as I do, but I'm sure every time you see them, you're like, this team is playing differently. Yeah. One you know one time they come out and Brady's going to throw the ball 55 times because reasons, and then the next time they're just going to run heavy set the whole damn game, and that's just. This is what they do, and I just I love it. Which is yeah. exactly Justice. why you cannot take anyone they have on their team in fantasy football because they will burn you. Except for James White and Sony Michelle. James White and Sony Michelle <laughs> and Tom Brady if you need a quarterback. Yes. And yes. Julian and their kicker. I, I'm not even gonna say Julian Edelman, dude. Even in PPR, like I would not I I would take him if he was like best player available very late, but I would not take him like he went like I want to say fourth or fifth round in the league I just did, and I uh, I don't know about that. He does not score touchdowns like ever. Like it's just not. He's like a Julio Jones, except for not as good. You know, uh, he just does not score a lot of <laughs> touchdowns. It just does not happen. I do wonder if it'll change though without Gronk for an entire season. I'm very curious to uh, see. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of that, we don't. I mean, he's a pretty good facsimile from Gronk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he looks he looks just about the exact same. But um, I <laughs> like how in, tight end? 
you know, we have uh, superstar Ryan Izzo. Uh, <laughs> you know, superstar Steven Anderson. We do have Ben Watson, but he suspended the first four games. So, like, Didn't I have a trade for a hyper athletic tight end from the t- from the Falcons this past week. Yes, I. You know what? I forget the dude's name, but uh, yeah, the, uh, he was their backup backup tight end. You guys might know him better than I do, but uh, yeah, he was just traded. I, I forgot about that. Just just this week. Apparently he can do a little bit of it all, but uh, I've heard that it takes like a year to fully learn the Pats offensive playbook. So I can't imagine that he's going to be doing a ton. I I don't know. Is Josh Gordon going to play this week? I no, no, he's not going to, he's, he's still on the NFI right now. Oh, so no, no Josh Gordon. If you would say week one, I would still say, I don't know. I'm trying to find that tight end. You guys are just talking about. Yeah, oh there we uh, go yeah 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 apparently he didn't make a big splash with the falcons but uh, eric saubert yeah and they traded a conditional seventh round pick so basically nothing basically nothing yeah yeah i, I love yeah, i love that that tight end core that tight end core is not a not a who's who by any means yeah we don't need no tight ends they're just gonna have three running backs on every play it's fine we're fine it's okay <laughs> if, if yeah, anybody can figure it out it's the yeah you got tom brady okay you don't need no tight ends but uh in all seriousness uh i'm gonna miss gronk and uh, am i one of those delusional pat fans that's like you know, come November, he's going to get the feeling that he wants to come back and play. Yeah, that's me. That's me right now. That's me every day. He'll be back. He'll just show up one day and he'll be there. Yeah, I know he's not going to. But that's... I don't know, though. The stuff I've seen, he looks like he's shrunk a lot. Yeah. Yes. I don't think yeah. he could even play tight end now. Maybe he's a move tight end at this point. Again, I know he's done, but it's one of those things that you just want to say to yourself. Hey, if Jason Witten can yeah. can be that bad in the uh, ESPN booth and then come back and play tight end. After can... being not good at tight end before he went to the the booth. So I, I have, I have I, first of all, Jason Witten is one of my favorite players of all time because he doesn't, besides being a big guy, he doesn't look like he should be out there. Like I've never seen a slower human being, including myself <laughs> in my life. And yet, yes. how many times have you seen him open by 10 yards? Like he just runs these routes and he's just so open. And despite that, and again, I don't know if there's a way to look at this stat, but I feel like for, people with more than let's say 300 catches in their career. I feel like he has the least yards after catch average, like of all time. <laughs> he like, yeah, like Greg Olson's <laughs> going to give him a run for his money. Yeah, I say, <laughs> Those older tight ends generally have that, that uh, mindset where they're like, catch the ball. Okay, go down. Yep. Every time. <laughs> well, like so. Witten, Witten would like try and yet still get like two yards after contact. And it's like, mm, all right, well his, you caught his it. La- <laughs> his last three years, he had his yards per catch were 9.3. 9.8 and 8.9 I'd, I'd like to know what that right there i'd like to know what the yards like after contact would be too you know what i mean like just like yeah. nothing or yards at yards after the catch it's like mm, two Probably no the whole year five. yeah <laughs> yeah you know you know wrap it up brian yeah i think brian, it's that time to wrap it up yeah we're getting we're getting late um well, thank you, Spencer, for coming on to talk a lot of uh, Panthers-Patriots stuff. Um, as we all know, this Panthers-Patriots preseason game is not going to mean much, but we will get to see a lot of the starters. So that'll be cool. 
that'll be nice. But it really doesn't mean much. Just I would be looking out for the backups more so than the starters myself. Um, but anyway, Spencer, give us a give us a plug in for yourself and your business. Uh, yeah, if you ever find yourself in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, in beautiful Lancaster County, you can stop by Complete Inbox Video Games and buy some video games. Or you can uh, find us on Facebook or our website and say, hey, send me a video game, and we'll say, okay. No pads. <laughs> Do you have That's a copy we'll of Battletoads? We always have copies of Battletoads. Uh, and N- Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, pick your poison. <laughs> I believe they have over 9,000 copies of Battletoads. Yikes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but we do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thank you again, Spencer, for coming on. Spencer is a member of the Pat's Pulpit blog. Very good friend of mine. Very knowledgeable knowledgeable, and very pessimistic Patriots fan. One of the one of the most pessimistic I've ever seen. Um coming on giving us some analysis chatting with us so appreciate that spencer but anyway this is brian joined by brad john and spencer from the keep sounding podcast and we will talk to you about this very important third preseason game next week see you later keeps the football takes off to the end zone for the touchdown he takes the handoff and he scores Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Newton keeps, lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shuttle pass, McCaffrey, touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keating.